Lord, I am so glad that all things work together for the good of them that are the called. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight, one of the greatest verses in Bible Scripture. All right. Now, this morning, uh, you got to shout a little bit and squall. And, uh, you know, I threatened to run around and uh, we had a, uh, had a good time this morning. Uh, so uh, we preached to you real good. So you ought to be good and excited. If, if you, those of you who weren't here, uh, you're more than welcome. You can go online, you know, Facebook or sermon audio, uh, CDs. There's all kind of ways. Uh, there's no excuse for anybody that comes to church here to miss preaching. Amen. We have fouled you up. Now if we could just find a way to get your offer and like direct deposit from your paycheck, we'll have it made. But uh, and we, we'll, if we come up with something, we done working on something online, Miss Libby's on, got it in the works right now. Uh, we'd be able to take your offering from a debit card. Amen. And uh, don't laugh, I ain't joking, man. We're going to get it. Uh, the Bible says, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, and He does, but I'll take it from a grouch. Amen. But uh, this evening's going to be a little different speed uh, for a message. Uh, I was telling Brother Luther, I think it was Brother Luther earlier, tonight we're going to plow some dirt. Uh, you know, you can't plant nothing unless you plow dirt. Right, Brother Jeff? Got to plow it. I mean, I don't like plowing. I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody really likes to plow. Uh, uh, I made a smart aleck remark one time to my granddaddy. We was uh, we was plowing a garden with a mule, and uh, we we uh, uh, basically we was, we, was, we was getting taters. Uh, it's not potatoes. It's taters, and uh, you know, we, was, we was getting taters. And I'd pack potatoes all day in five gallon buckets. Uh, from the garden uh, up to the building, dump them out, come back, load the buckets, pack them back. All Papaw done was held the plow up and walked behind the mule. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, he's got it made. I'm the one packing the, the potatoes. I'm the one that's carrying the buckets. Two five-gallon buckets full of potatoes in both hands. Um, you kids, you'll really learn to appreciate Idaho and russet potatoes if you had to pack your own buckets. But we're going up through there, and finally I come back, and I was quarreling as any you know, kid, teenager does. And Papa says, well, would you like to plow for a minute? And I thought, hot dog. I've watched him do this for years. Nothing to it. And I said, yes, I want to plow. I'm thinking back in my mind, let this old man pack the potatoes. He's one planted this many potatoes, let him pack them. And Papaw attached me to the plow that was attached to the mule. And I did not realize that he had, uh, as the Bible says, he had thoroughly attached me to the point that I was not going to be able to get loose from the plow that was thoroughly attached to Barney the mule. He hooks me up and he, he explains this to me. My granddaddy was, he was, he was a great explainer because I said so, that's why. 
or that's because that's how we've always done it. Uh, just do it. Uh, my papa should have trademarked that phrase long before Michael Jordan ever came along. Just do it. Get it done. So he's out there and he says, now listen, Barney, that was the mule. He said, Barney knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He's done it for years. He said, Barney will go to the end of the row. He will stop. Your only job is to pick the plow up. Barney will, as soon as you pick the plow up, Barney will spin around. And then you put the plow back in the dirt. And Barney will proceed to walk to the end of that row. Once you get to the end of that row, pick it up. Barney will turn around, put the plow back in the dirt. And Barney will walk to the other end of the row. Do you know what your job is? I think, well, yeah. My job is to hold the plow up, pick it up, set it back down. Well, any dummy can do that. Right? Hold the plow, pick it up, wait for the mule to turn, put it back in the dirt. That's easy. My granddad, who had a great rapport with Barney, the mule, by the way, screams or hits or something that that poor old mule that day. And spooks it. And remember I am attached to the plow. That is attached to Barney. Barney done exactly what Papa said Barney would do. He ran to the end of the road. He did not stop. He did not pass go. He did not do nothing. I fall. I don't know if you've ever tried to run with a, a mule. While attached to a plow. You can't do it. About three or four steps in, I have face planted into the dirt that we have been plowing all day that is full of rotten potatoes. Ain't that a, how many of y'all ever grabbed a, grabbed a rotten potato? You ever grabbed one and it just squished in your hands? The smell is lovely. But there was a few other things in the dirt. We've plowed all day. Barney does not go to a restroom. Wherever Barney's at when the, when the urge hits him, that's where he goes. He does not care if you're going to trip and fall into it later on. And he don't, he's not going to stop for you to get up and get out of the way of it either. Matter of fact, I believe the mule uh, on purpose run through about three big old piles that afternoon. I get to the end of the row. I've got potatoes, rock, dirt, you name it, mule manure. Uh, in my, I'm in my hair, in my mouth, in my eyeballs. I'm spitting this stuff out. I'm quarreling. I'm fussing even more now. My granddad looks at me and says, you want to plow another row? And I said, no. <laughs> Give me my buckets. <laughs> but in order to plant, you've got to plow. So this evening... That's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to plow. We're going to try to teach you a little something. Uh, a lot, here lately I've been asked several times by folks about how to study the Bible. How do you study your Bible? Well, as Lord willing, I'm going to give you a little bit of that this evening. Hopefully this will help you in your Bible studies. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Now, up here, I have got uh, for you, if you want to come verify that your pastor's telling you the truth, this one here is a Holman Christian Standard Bible. They have since, this one was printed, they have dropped the name Holman. It is just a Christian Standard Bible. This is uh, one uh, that is uh, greatly endorsed 
by the Southern Baptist Convention. It's this one. This little one right here. This one right here is a new King James Version Bible. It's a new one. Uh, it's not a, not a new King James, but a new King James Version. And uh, so that one's there. This one over here is what they call a parallel Bible. It has the King James on one side and the NIV on the other side. Now these I've got for you to read from, the, like I said, to verify of what I'm telling you is the truth or not. Uh, and uh, I promise you it is, but, you know, if you want to look, uh, you can. One of these, uh, I think it's the NIV one. Uh, I've even got a lot of things highlighted in it that have been changed, left out, whatever, if you want to come and take a look. Uh, only thing these Bibles ever get used for is uh, study for messages like this. Not for regular study, but study for something like this. Uh, so we've got those for you. Uh, and I've got a list of some other Bible versions. Because these aren't the only three that have gone astray. There's, uh, right now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten listed for you that will give you these verses here in just a second. Uh, I normally would read uh, this verse, but I'm going to ask uh, Brother David, you got your Bible open? Uh, would you go ahead and read for us Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15? All right, stop. Go. Stop. No. What's first? Uh, first three words you read. Study to show. To show thyself. Study to show thyself. Very first word in that sentence is what? Study. The uh, New International Version that we have here. Has left out. You can go ahead and sit down. Has left out the word study. It's not in there. The uh, American Standard Version. Uh, my, if you're interested. The NIV. Uh, the most recent version of the NIV. Says do your best. Like you're a bunch of three year olds. Just do your best. Uh, the ASV. American Standard. Says give diligence. The Christian standard, which is now uh, has replaced this Holman Christian standard, says be diligent. Uh, the English standards, again, do your best. Uh, the New American Standard Bible says be diligent. Uh, the New King James, be diligent. The New Catholic Bible, make every effort. <laughs> Amen. I could preach a month right there. Uh, the New English translation, make every effort. The New Living Translation, work hard so you can present yourself. Uh, the Good News Translation says, do your best. None of these uh, versions of the Bible encourage you to do what? Study. study. Why would somebody not want you to study the Bible? What's going on that somebody don't want you to know? Uh, has this ever happened before? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you study through history, for many, many years, the Catholic Church prevented people like us from having a Bible. They didn't want you to have a Bible. Why? Because there's stuff going on they didn't want you to know about. There's doctrines and truths in there that if you learned, 
all of a sudden you're not going to pay as much uh, penance to the church. They're, they're going to lose their money racket with purgatory. Uh, you're not going to pray to Mary. You're not going to quote the rosary. You're not going to do none of these things that's not in the Bible if you have a Bible. So they hid it from you. So, uh, God ask yourself a question. Who would not want you to study? Well, of course, the answer to that is who? It's the devil. He don't want you to know uh, what I'm going to teach you and preach you this, this evening. Now, there's been a great effort and a lot of sacrifice went in to get us the Bible as we have it. You got to study men like William Tyndale and uh, John Wycliffe and all those uh, Coverdale, Miles Coverdale. You got all them men that were murdered and killed and tortured. One of them, uh, they murdered him. Then they dug his body up and burned it. All because he was trying to translate the Bible into English. Can you imagine being that wicked? And that determined to keep everybody else from knowing what the Bible says. That you dig a man's dead body up years later and burn it. Throw his ashes in the river. Just because he was translating a Bible into English. This verse that David read some of it to you. I don't know why he didn't read the whole verse. But in this verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. In this one verse. You are told to study. You are told what you are supposed to study. The word of truth. The Bible. You're told what to study. You are told how to study. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So you are told what to study. You are told how and you are told why. All in this one verse. To study to show thyself approved. All in that one verse. And we're going to preach to you about rightly dividing. If we don't rightly divide our, our Bible, we are going to get very much messed up doctrinally. We'll misunderstand scriptures. We'll put things out of place. Uh, you end up being a Jehovah's Witness if you're not careful. Amen. You will. I mean, or or a, or a Mormon or something like that. Uh, but what the word for this is dispensationalism. And that is just a big fancy word. It just means God deals with different people, different ways, at different. We say times, but it's not really about time. It's just about God's rules for for people at different aspects of their lives, different places. And it shouldn't surprise us because you do it as parents. You had one set of rules for your kids when they was little. Then as they get older, the rules change, don't they? That's a dispensation. That's your way with dealing with your children. Uh, when they were real little, uh, how many of you uh, would not, if you had a brand new newborn baby, y'all remember they was brand new and you still loved them, uh, and you brought them home from the hospital for these teenagers, good night in the morning. Uh, but you would sit there and you would, you would heat up their milk and put it in a bottle. You would hold their little bottle the whole time they's eating. Now, when they get to be 16, 17 years old, 
if you're still holding their bottle, there's something wrong. There's, you know, got, got, you know, there's something developmentally wrong with them, or there's something parentally wrong with you. I mean, I love Isaiah to death, but listen, if I have to change his diapers now, mm-mm. We're getting in the back of the truck. We're going to the car wash. Amen. But we have different dispensations. How many of when they're little, you tell them about 7, 30, 8 o'clock, you need to go to sleep. Then as they get older, 9, 30, 10, then, you know, you just pray they just don't bother you while you sleep. It's dispensations. They they start off, they milk, cereal, uh, strained peas, um, it no wonder babies spit up, man. Have y'all? I mean, imagine that uh, strained carrots and all that stuff. Then it's a little bit of mashed potatoes, a little French fry that you smushed up with the fork. Then next thing you know, they're eating both of your cheeseburgers. Dispensations, just a way of dealing with people at different points, different. I hate to say times. I don't want you to think it's about times as much. But it's just a way of dealing with things. It's about rules. And the rules are set by the householder. The the boss. The parent. So, a dispensation is just a, a way to govern. It's a system by which anything is administered. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, every... Everybody in here, whether you know it or not, you are a dispensationalist. Right? How many, how many testaments are in your Bible? Two. Right? You got it. What are they called? Old and new. That's two different what? Testaments. Dispensations. Covenants. So everybody is a dispensationalist. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the Bible in three different places mentions the doctrine of dispensations. Ephesians 3.2 and 1 Corinthians 9.17 and Colossians 1.25. So it's just a way of dividing. Now, I have uh, read and studied and there are some people teach as many as 12 to 14 uh, different dispensations. We're not going to go that many. Uh, most will teach somewhere between 7 and 8. And we're going to give you, uh, I think, about seven or eight this evening. Last time when I preached on dispensations, we kept it limited to four. Uh, you know, the church, church age, Old Testament, church age, tribulation, and millennium. Because usually that's the four that people want to dump everything into. But we're going to go a little deeper uh, this evening. If, so if you'll just bear with us, all right? So... A dispensation can cover a certain period of time. Dispensation can overlap another dispensation. They can run concurrently. Uh, there's all kinds of things we'll look at. Let me ask you a question. When did the Old Testament end? When did the Old Testament end? God, you got your Bibles. Open them up. Look and tell me. <laughs> when did it end? What do I mean when? Who said that? Was that you? 
I mean, when? When did it end? No, I don't want a year, but... That's what we think, right? It ended in Malachi. When did the New Testament start? We'd say Malachi and Matthew, right? Truthfully, the New Testament doesn't start till the death of Jesus Christ. Hebrew says without the death of a testator, there cannot be a testament. See, we've been taught all of our lives that the New Testament starts with Matthew chapter 1. Technically, the New Testament does not start until Matthew chapter 27. Or Mark 15, 37, or Luke 23, verse 46, or John 19, verse 30. When Jesus gives up the ghost, the death of the testator. So when does the Old Testament end? Well, Jesus himself said the law and the prophets were until John. So you'll see there's a time difference from what we've been taught. So anything prior to Matthew 27 or Mark 15, Luke 23 and John 19, those folks were all still under the law. Everybody on the uh, mountain when Jesus gives the Beatitudes were under the law. There is not one person saved by grace through faith in the first 26 chapters of Matthew. Isn't that interesting? That's why you can't, you got to be real careful trying to pull church doctrine out of Matthew 24. A lot of people do that and it messes them up. And they end up with, a, with not, it's not, I can't, you can't say it's not a biblical doctrine, but it's an out of place doctrine because they've got their dispensations messed up. So, these folks, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, if she's saved, and I use that term even loosely right now, she's an Old Testament saint. When Lazarus dies the first time, He's an Old Testament saint. All these folks. There is no death of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no New Testament. So they still must be under the Old Testament. So, no, no, nobody in the four Gospels is saved by grace through faith. They, there's no faith. Because Jesus is with them. They don't have to have faith. You can see Him. Talk to him, handling, touching. You don't take faith to do that. The very first person in the Bible ever saved the way you are saved is not until Acts chapter 8. That's the little Ethiopian eunuch that comes along and Philip, he's reading the book of Isaiah and Philip joins up with him and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I say some man guide me? And he begins that scripture and preaches unto him Jesus Christ. And then they go drive down the road and the eunuch says, well, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, if you keep the, if you keep the law and you abstain from pork, right? No. He says, if thou believest, thou mayest. And he says, I believe. And the Bible says they get down, they both go into the water, and then they come up out of the water. First person ever saved like you are. 
by grace, through faith, without one work. He just simply believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's baptized and he's saved. Um, that's where uh, you big thing around here uh, and around areas is uh, people want to use Acts chapter 2 verse 38 as a plan of salvation. And, you know, Peter's baptism, Acts 2, 38. You've got to be baptized in, uh, in the name of Jesus. Y'all heard that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That is not dispensationally correct for our time. Nobody in Acts chapter, nobody at Pentecost, now catch this one, nobody at Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, was saved the way you're, sure you're saved. Dispensations. Ways of, ways of doing things. And we're going to, I'm going to try to my best to show you under each of these how people were saved at each one of these times. To the first dispensation, all right? If you've got a pen and paper, you want to write these down, uh, we'll try to let you do so. Uh, but the first dispensation is the covenant that God makes with Adam all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And under this covenant this dispensation salvation requires works adam is to take care of the garden god says you take care of the garden and don't eat that one tree his salvation was conditional on him not eating that tree right he says don't eat that tree don't eat that tree the minute you eat that tree thou shalt what you're gonna die right then and there you'll be dead and he did. Spiritually, he died. But his salvation required works under that first covenant. That's the uh, Adamic covenant, if you will. Uh, the second dispensation uh, is made again with Adam. And this is uh, after his fall. We're in Genesis chapter 3. And in this covenant, God says, Well, Adam, you ate of the fruit. You goofed. This is the first time that a blood sacrifice is required to make a covering for sin. God has to kill them animals to make those those leathern uh, outfits and clothes for them. You know, they hid themselves with fig leaves. And God says, nope, that's not sufficient. Your works ain't going to be good enough, ultimately. So I'm going to have to cover you with a blood sacrifice. So y'all know that story. But under this covenant, God says, all right, here's what we're going to do. He says, uh, you're going to die. You're going to have pain. You're going to have thorns. You're going to have thistles. Uh, childbirth is going to be miserable. And does everybody agree with that? Yeah. Amen. All the fellas are like, it didn't bother me none. You know. <laughs> uh, all the ladies are like, it tore me up, brother. Uh, death, pain, Thorns are a result of this second dispensation. Uh, man has to work now and earn his living by the sweat of his brow. Ain't this a great dispensation that we have? Uh, no longer does God visit Adam in the cool of the day. So for the very first time, salvation is required faith. Salvation, at this point, also requires works. you got to till the ground. So you got to make sacrifices. How do you know they had to make sacrifices? 
because I think in uh, Genesis uh, 3 or 4, we find Cain and Abel, and they were making sacrifices. The third dispensation uh, God makes with a man named Noah. Uh, at this point, salvation is by works. Noah, it's going to rain, it's going to flood. You, if you want to live, you've got to build an ark. Works. No, you got to get in the ark. Works in faith. You got to trust that ark's going to get you through the storm. Uh, but Noah found what he find? Grace. So for the very first time in Scripture, grace appears to come into play, but I believe it's always been in play. But the first time we have it mentioned. Uh, and from this point on, grace is a constant in, our, in salvation. Fourth dispensation. God makes a covenant with a man named Abraham. This covenant deals mostly with land. God tells Abraham, and without conditions, I want to give you this land. He maps it out. It's, it's a lot bigger than what you know, we talk about the promised land and all that today. What Abraham was promised is a lot bigger than what they've got right now. And since God promised it, God's going to make sure they get it. Probably during the millennium, but it's going to happen. Uh, that's the fourth covenant. Uh, there's nobody going to be able to stop Israel from obtaining the promised land as God promised it to Abraham. Nobody. Now this second, third, and fourth dispensation are still active today. Not, not, nobody in here could argue with me that the covenant God made with Adam, the second covenant when God made with Adam, is, is null. Because we're still dying. Childbirth still hurts. You still got to work. Right? It, it's all there. There's no getting out of it. That second covenant still there. That third one with Noah. The Bible itself states that it was a perpetual covenant. God says, Noah, I'll never again destroy the earth with water. And I'll put a rainbow in the sky. And when you see it, you'll remember and we still do that today. You'll see a rainbow and you'll tell your kids. Well, kids, this is the real reason for the rainbow. It ain't what the alphabet group says. And the real reason is uh, that God wants to in a great flood and destroy the earth with water. But he's promised us he'd never do that again. It's a perpetual covenant. The fourth one, Abraham's covenant. They're going to get their land. So the second, third, and fourth covenant are still active today. In Within these Three covenants. Like I said, man is still dying. But there are exceptions. Right? Enoch didn't die, did he? Elijah didn't die. Some of us probably aren't going to die. The Bible says it's pointing to man wants to die, but Lazarus died twice. See, there's always going to be an exception as you go through here. Uh, the land, it still belongs to Abraham's descendants. There's not going to be a flood. When them three boys, most sons, got off the ark, God told them to replenish the earth. And you'll find out that if you trace this thing back far enough, there are only three races in the world. And they come from Ham, Shem, and Japheth. See it. Uh, the Savior, God told them, is going to come through Shem. He's going to be, a, he's going to he'd come through that line. He'd come to Abraham, David, uh, ultimately to Jesus Christ. That's all in that second, third, and fourth covenant. Uh, 
tithing. This is where a lot of folks in, in churches get messed up. They, you're talking about, you know, we, we want, you know, you need to tithe and you pay 10% into the church. Well, that's an Old Testament doctrine. Yes, it is. But it's in the second, third, and fourth covenant. It's before the law. And these covenants are perpetual. They, from the time they're started, they don't end. You're still dying, right? So that's what tithing and all that stuff. People say, well, you know, uh, uh, we're under, we're under grace now. We don't have to do that Old Testament tithing. Uh, that's because they don't rightly divide the word of truth. You know what? In the, in those second, third, and fourth covenants, it was prophesied that Europeans, white people, were going to conquer America. Says Japheth would dwell in the tents of Ham or Sham. He would dwell in their tents. And Europeans come over here from England and Spain and all them places. And you got these Native Americans over here, and what are they living in? Teepees. You can't beat the book. People try, they try to discredit it, discount it. But the Bible is a good two, three thousand years ahead of schedule. Every time. Uh, I said it's perpetual. The fifth dispensation. The one most people want to. They think covers all the Old Testament. and Everything's in the Old, Old Testament. Is in this one. Is the Mosaic covenant. Or the promises and covenants dispensations. God makes with Moses. It's when the law is given. Under this covenant. Salvation is faith and works. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to do things. God promised the land to Abraham in, in, the, in the Abrahamic covenant, which would have been the third, third one. Uh, in, again, in this one, promises it to them again. But this time there's conditions under this covenant. Uh, this covenant goes all the way into the four gospels. We've done established that. And this covenant uh, goes also through another covenant God made with David. We'll tell you about that just here in a minute. And the Bible says, uh, when to David said, When thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, uh, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, how many of y'all understand that David lived under the Old Testament law? Y'all agree with that? David was under the law, right? So why didn't David get killed when he committed murder and adultery? There's no blood atonement under under the law. You go back and read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. There was no atoning for murder and adultery. The Bible says they shall surely be put to death. How does David escape? Remember I said uh, there are some exceptions in through here. Was David, God said to David, My mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul. David's got a, a covenant, and they call it you know the, the more short the, the mercies of David. David is a picture of of a Bible-believing Christian with eternal salvation. He's a picture of that. I'll show you. 
the Bible says that Saul, God took his spirit from Saul. And it never comes back to Saul. Samson lost the Holy Spirit and it came back to him. David sinned and praise to God, remove not thy spirit from me. And God never did. It's amazing. Samson was a murderer. He doesn't die under the law. He dies, but he commits suicide and to die. So we see these dispensations and how God is dealing with folks differently. This next one uh, is the New Covenant, the New Testament. Uh, we call it the Church Age. Uh, it is initiated by the Lord Jesus Christ during the Last Supper, Lord's Supper. Remember what he says through Paul in 1 Corinthians 11? says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. There's no arguing that the Lord Jesus instituted this testament with his, that night. That does not come into effect until he dies. Remember Hebrews? Without the death of a testator, there cannot be. The testament is of no force. It's like a will. Uh, you, can, you can will and do all you want to do with your will. But nobody's supposed to get anything until you're dead. Has to be the death. It says New Testament, my blood. It starts at Calvary. It's still in place today. Second, third, fourth covenants, and the sixth one run together. All those perpetual ones, they're still as much active today. We're under grace, right? We're in, we're in, we're in the New Testament. We're church age. Do you think God's going to send a flood and wipe out the whole earth now? Nope. Why not? Because God said He wouldn't, right? See how it works? So, uh, salvation is in this age by grace through faith. For the first time ever, works is not a part of your salvation. Ever. The Old Testament Jews, they had to keep the law. Adam had to tend to the garden. Then he has to... uh, uh, have a sacrifice. Noah has to build an ark. All it all works. Seventh covenant dispensation is the tribulation. Tribulation period. Uh, at this point, when that happens, salvation goes back to by grace through faith and works. Nobody in the tribulation age will be saved like you're saved. Right? You believe that, don't you? You believe that under the tribulation, people can lose their salvation? Yep. Absolutely. This is what I talked about earlier. You have to be careful of pulling tribulation verses and trying to force them into the church age. Stop trying to work a jigsaw puzzle. You've got a piece that almost fits. So you either tear it off a little bit and put it in there. That's what I do. Or you you know put it down there on the board and you, you line it up and go, it fits. Then you got an eyeball right here. That's what happens when I put puzzles together. But during a tribulation, it is very much possible to lose your salvation. Uh, you can confess the Lord Jesus Christ during a tribulation. Believe that God has raised him from the dead. Be baptized. 
read your Bible, give 30% of your income to the church. But if you take the mark of the beast, you're going to hell. You lost your salvation. You believed, you confessed, you've done everything the Bible says. You know Jesus is the Son of God, but you just couldn't take it no more. So just, yep, give me that shot right there. And they inject that uh, little chip inside of you. And you're going to hell. I don't care what other preachers say. Amen. I almost said it that time. Brother David, I think he's got a pool going on when I'm going to finally reveal who this preacher is. But you can lose it. There will be thousands of people lose their salvation during the tribulation. And we'll take those verses about, about that. A lot, a lot of from Hebrews, some from James, some from the earlier parts of Matthew and the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount and all that stuff. Matthew 24, uh, pray that your flight's not in winter and we want to cram that into the church age. Listen, I could care less if Jesus comes back in the winter time or not. Just as long as he comes back. He says, uh, in, in that day, he says, woe unto them that get suck in those days. You could care less if you've got a newborn baby or not. If the trumpet sounds, you're going home. Amen. Take, pick the baby up, take it with you. Amen. But we want to cram these verses. Uh, one, uh, another one that we're real famous and real popular for doing that is, Him that endures to the end shall be saved. Lord, you've showed me your spiritual ignorance just then. Right. Salvation is not something to be endured. It is something to be enjoyed. I don't have to endure to the end to be saved. My granddaddy didn't make it to the end. Your granddaddies didn't make it to the end. Amen. I mean, we say, well, you know, him that endures to the end shall be saved. And then, but then we turn, and folks are dying before the end. We say, well, you know, they're going on to heaven. Well, what, what do you believe? And you can't have it both ways. Folks, uh, so many say, well, what I believe is eventually, uh, you know, that backslider, they'll, they'll come back in. And they'll get, they'll get saved before they die. Well, then you believe in eternal security. No, 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 I don't, no, I don't. Folks, dispensations. Now, eternal security, I, I want to briefly do this. Is not a license to sin. And if you dare ever leave my preaching thinking that Brother Gary said I can live like I want to and go to, go to heaven, you're full of the devil and you're going to split hell wide open. Amen. But I'll still take your offering money. <laughs> Amen. What's, what salvation is, is not a license to sin. It is freedom from sin. I don't have to sin anymore. Right? Before, I had a master. And my master demanded me to sin. Now that I'm saved, man can't serve two masters. Ain't that a blessing? But we we mess all this stuff up. And was Paul said it over and over and over and over. You know, you know, I, 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 all sin to come short. We know that, but we don't have to sin. The eighth division dispensation is the millennium. In the millennium, salvation is, has nothing to do with faith. Just works. You don't have to have faith again because Jesus is here. Nobody that is saved during the millennium 
is going to be a church saint. They're not saved the way we're saved. So they're not going to be saved the same way. The millennium after that is eternity. And some folks count that as another dispensation. I'm not going to get into all that. But for right now, the only we can only be saved without works now. Only thing right now. Uh, the New Testament deals with Israel nationally and with men and women individually. We cannot afford to take the promises God gives to Israel and try to claim them for the church. A lot of folks try to do that and they end up in a mess. Uh, you'll look through this. You know, like I said, the Eden dispensation from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3 around verse 14. The uh, first Adamic, the Adamic, or second one with Adam, the Adamic dispensation from Genesis 3, 14 to about chapter 8. The Noah dispensation from Genesis 8 to Genesis 12. Abraham from 12 to Exodus 20. The Mosaical dispensation from Exodus 20 uh, to... Uh, the death of John the Baptist or the, or the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, the church age from the death of Jesus Christ till now. If you want to have a kind of a guideline of what scriptures go where. Scattered throughout your Bible are verses that will deal with each of these dispensations. At different times. Some of them are right in place where they're supposed to be. At least you know, that's what we say. Some of them seem a little out of place. And you have to rightly divide that word. I'll give you an example. A good example is the Second Thessalonians chapter two. The first three verses are church verses. Paul says, "Be you know, let no man deceive you. You know the time won't come." He's talking to the church. Who do you write the letter to? The Thessalonian church. But then over there, let me turn over there. I'll read this to you. Says for yourselves, brethren, church, know our interest in unto you that it was uh, not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as as you know at Philippi, we were bold in no second Thessalonians. I mean, first. See, our Miss Marie happens to all of us. It says now we beseech you, brethren. There's the brethren again uh, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our, by our gathering together unto Him, gathering together rapture. Unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What day? The rapture and subsequently the tribulation. That day shall not come, except there be a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Church. And beginning with that man of, sin being, man of sin being revealed, you go into tribulational. And the only thing that separates those two dispensations in those verses is a comma. 
And you'll find that a lot in the Bible. A comma or a semicolon could be a thousand, two thousand years. So you have to put these verses in their place. And it, it'll help you. Uh, folks fuss about the law and all that. And they have no idea about you know, the ceremonial law, the civil law, and all that stuff that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but like verses like uh, Isaiah chapter 11. And you know, verses where the Bible talks about the lamb laying down for the line and the kids playing on the snake's dens and all that. Obviously, if, if you've got any kind of biblical sense about you at all, you know that hasn't happened yet. I, I mean, I look at a bunch of y'all parents in here this evening, grandparents. Uh, uh, who am I going to pick on for a minute? Let's see. Amanda's new. All right. I was going to be nice to her tonight. Miss Amanda, if you see Aiden, as I won't mention Cammy, because you'd probably encourage it with Cammy. No, I'm joking. If you see Aiden over there playing in a snake pit, and there's rattlesnakes and copperheads and cobras and all that, they're just slithering around. Whoo! Amen. Are you going to say, Aiden, when you get done, come on in the house? Or are you going to say, get out of there and go get him? Or are you going to ask somebody else to go get him? Maybe I should. Whose bright idea was it to use her, Brother David? You'd get him, throw him a rope or something. But during the millennium, you see them over there and you'll be like, oh, well, what's your baby's doing? Man, CPS people will hate the millennium. Where's your kid playing? Over at the snake pit. <gasps> Oh, they, ain't big, they, they won't bite them. Lambs and lions in the same field together. Stuff's not happened yet. So we have to rightly divide. You got to look at books. Uh, you got to look at who's talking, who they're talking to, when they're talking, and put these verses in their proper place. Uh, Genesis 3, verse 16. It's in the Adamic covenant, but it still counts today. We're still uh, watching some of these things, waiting for them. Uh, I said the moral law of God is uh, still in effect today. Even though it's in the Mosaical law, but it's God deals with God's nature. And that is why homosexuality and sodomy is such a big deal. And they say, well, that's under the law. Well, figure out which branch. It's the moral laws that deals with God's nature. It's not the civil laws or the ceremonial laws. It was the moral laws. And God's nature is unchanging. If it repulsed God a hundred years ago, odds are it repulses Him today. Genesis 9, perpetual. But we misplace, we misapply these verses, and we end up with a bunch of doctrines that are false. We call them false doctrines. They're actually, are, they're actually Bible doctrines. They're just out of place. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, wanting to teach you that you have to go to church on Saturdays and all that stuff. We, we, we say, well, that's just crazy. That's Bible doctrine for the tribulation and the millennium. That's not a church doctrine. Right? Right. Um, Trying to think of some more off the top of my head. Uh, 
Losing your salvation. It's tribulational. Right? It's not church. Uh, We have to be mindful of these verses. And as you're reading, as you're studying your Bible, take the time to look at it. Who's talking? You know, some sometimes the Bible makes it obvious. You know, be careful with this verse. Be careful with this book. Now, a lot of folks want to take the book of Hebrews and apply church doctrine from the book of Hebrews. Who was the book of Hebrews wrote to? Help me out. Who was it wrote to? It wrote to the Hebrews. Not it wasn't wrote to a church. Who was the book of James wrote to? To the twelve tribes scattered. Hebrews. Jews. You ought to be careful of that. Uh, who was Jesus talking to when he gave the Sermon on the Mount? To Jews. Where was he where was he at? In Judea. You know, blessed are the poor in heart. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You try that today. You can't be meek driving down the road. They're running you over top of you. Especially if it's Todd. Right, Brother Todd? That's right. So be careful with your, with your Bible study. And, and watch your dispensations. Get them, try to get them straight. If you can't remember nothing else, if you can remember Old Testament, church, millennium, and tribulation, that'll help you a lot. Yeah. Has this verse happened yet? Has lambs and lions laid down yet? No. Okay, then that's future. So that means it automatically has to go either tribulation or millennium. You, you can, we can help ourselves in Bible study by just doing exactly what Paul told Timothy to do. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's, it's, it's not super complicated. I mean, we, we want to make it complicated. Uh, but really, it's easy. You know, up till, you know, so, like, you know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, even the beginning parts of Acts, these books are transitional books. You're coming from old to new. So you can't pull a lot of doctrine from those books. Especially church doctrine, church age, church dispensation doctrine. Because you'll find yourself confused. If you're not careful, you can, you can preach in three or four different baptisms for the church age by not separating dispensations and not understanding that there can be a dispensation within a dispensation. Like, the, like David, there's, he has a dispensation inside the Mosaical dispensation. Acts is, is one of those books. Now you've got, I think in Acts, I think there's people in at least three, maybe three or four different, saved three or four different ways in the book of Acts. Some are saved under John's baptism. Some are saved under Peter's. How, what, did John baptize in the name of Jesus Christ? No. John baptized, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter baptizes, uh, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is we're supposed to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But see, if you're not careful, you'll pick up one of those verses 
and you'll pull it and put it somewhere where it does not go. And that hurts that hurts you uh, spiritually. It hurts people uh, with uh, just to under their understanding. And people get all to and we got churches right now that they'll tell you, well, you have to be baptized to go to heaven. You're not saved until you're baptized. Now they get that from the Bible, but that's still not good doctrine for the church age. Because if you have to be baptized, then when Paul says, not of works, we've muddied the water. Now, I believe, I believe if you're saved, you'll want to work. I think if you're, if you're born again, I'm not going to have to get up here and beg you to do stuff. You'll come to church if you're saved. You'll want, you'll want to give. You'll want to support your church. You'll want to uh, be involved. You'll want uh, not to get saved, but because you are. I'm finished. If y'all want to turn everything off. Uh, we'll take a minute.